Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Joined by my co-host tonight, Mark Schofield. We are going to be joined by a special guest later, um, but we're going to talk some wide receivers first, and we'll be joined by one of the guys. We're going to mention some later, um, but we haven't really dove into these wideouts yet, and being a fan of the Patriots and the Cowboys, both of our teams need wide receivers, so we're going to talk about them. But before we get started, Mark, you doing all right? I'm doing well, man. Like you said, uh, two teams, Dallas and New England, that certainly could use some help with the receiver spot. New England, obviously a bit spotty track record when it comes to addressing the wide receiver position, most notably, most recently, Nikhil Harry, but he's just one of many. See, Connor, New England could figure out slot receivers pretty well. They've, they've got a yep. decent track record there. It's certainly traded from Randy Moss, but that's Randy Moss. Like, that, you look at some of the other <laughs> – names they added at the receiver position like a chad jackson like a Nikhil harry it's been a spotty track record of best so maybe who knows somebody in the new england area will listen to this and they get a good idea of who they should be drafting in a couple weeks it's funny because they uh they i always like the guys they draft like late like jacoby myers i really liked him when he came out right. you know it's like but the the top 50 guys that they spend picks on i'm like yeah that guy yeah it's a very <laughs> shaky track record my friend i mean those are just some examples i mean i'm sure i'm missing some and what's even worse are guys they passed on right like right they passed on dk metcalf like a lot of other teams did yeah but they drafted to kill harry and it's just like wow okay <laughs> we, we go we gotta sort some stuff out here guys yeah yep yep but uh it's it's such an interesting receiver class because we were just talking about it before we started recording here but like you can pretty much split a lot of these guys into two separate groups. Like you, you got these guys in a ranking where you got one through 20 or whatever it is. And some of these guys who were, you know, right outside of your top 10, but they're pure slots or they're pure boundary guys. And you almost can take these guys and go, here's your boundary receivers. Here's your slot receivers. What do you think? How many of these guys that are kind of labeled as do it all inside out are actually do it all inside out guys? That's really hard. I mean, like, because you could look at guys like take Jameson Williams, right? Like, you could look at him and you could say, like, yeah, he's probably a guy that could do both. Okay, that's that's fair. But then you're seeing like Drake London. A lot of people saying like, well, maybe he's a big slot, and that's like, right. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he can do it. Um, I, I think he's more your traditional prototypical like X type guy. Um, you know, like even like Olave 
Like where yeah. where are you at with him? Do you think he? I mean, because again, like you look at his body type and you're like slot, but then you yeah. see him play and you're like maybe he can't be. A, you know, he's one of the guys that I kind of struggle and I go back and forth with. I, I'm I'm inclined to sort of put him in that do it all bucket, right? Um, and interestingly enough, I think Sky Moore can get into that do it all bucket. I wouldn't yeah. want him primarily on the outside. I mean, you know, because he's you know five ten, like, right? But at the same time you see his release package at least against the corners that he faced and it's pretty impressive. And so I think he's somebody that's probably more Z than X, right. you know, you might be comfortable with some packages, putting him out on the boundary and letting him face press coverage. Um, you know, a guy we talked about him earlier, Mechie, like he's a guy that I really struggle with. Like yeah. I think he can play on the outside, the, the touchdown he had to, to win the iron bowl, against McCrary, who obviously, you know, he's got his own sort of analytical data point <laughs> issues with the arm size, but it's like, right. yeah, he can beat outside coverage in that situation. Will that translate to Sundays perhaps, but, but maybe not it. Like right. you said, this is sort of that class where I know Emery Hunt, for example, he does his X's, his Z's and his slots. And that's how he ranks receivers. This is very much a year where I think you might want to tear him that way. Like give me your top five X's, your top five right. slots, your top five, versatile inside outside guys and go from there because you know a, a guy that we talked to that we'll have later this week he could probably play on the inside but he's an x and yeah. if you t- you know view him as an x and you play him outside he might be a, a top round two guy right but maybe not yep and that's that's kind of you know what i was guess what i was hitting at is you got these guys who yeah they can't play inside out but it's all about impact it's all about you know right. what you're doing, you know? So like, yeah, if it, like you said, like Sky Moore is a perfect example. You put him in the slot and he plays slot full time. I mean, you're talking about a dude who could do a ton of damage and could maybe end up in the first round. And yeah. it just goes back to our, our team's going to draft these slot only guys. You're Khalil Shakur, you know, how, how, again, Khalil Shakur is a guy who I think if you just play him in the slot and he doesn't have to worry a ton about, you know, the outside. I mean, I know he did that at Boise, but Man, like he's a guy you can move into the slot full time. I think he could be a much better player. So it's it's very right. like this class is so interesting. I think because of that because there's a ton of talent, but there's some of these guys who project as slot guys who really only played on the boundary. There's some of the guys that you know you you don't think could maybe come into the slot. And how much does that hurt their value? Because we see how much these NFL teams want to move their best guy into the slot. Yeah, I mean, look at you know we we hear that phrase all the time. The NFL is a copycat league, and you look at the Rams and they take their best guy and Cooper Cup's in the slot as, as yep. much as they can get him there. They put him in stacks. They, they, they give him releases off the line that are a little bit cleaner than guys that are, you know, at the bottom of the numbers with a press corner in their face. And so, you know, it might help guys like a, a Dotson who is probably going to be a slot guy at the next level. Like, okay, well, our offense is going to run through the slot you know. but there are also teams that probably more heavy 12 personnel. So you've got to have that ability to at least, beat outside coverage, beat press line right. defenders from time to time. I mean, Justin Jefferson was a prime example, right? Like yep. a lot of people looked at Jefferson and they said, well, he's a slot receiver. Like he did his best work when he was in the slot with Chase on the outside and, and Marshall on the outside, a team that ran a lot of 12 personnel drafted them because they knew, well, he'll have some reduced splits. He'll be, you know, some tighter formations. We can make him a slot guy, even though he's going to be the outside receiver because of alignment and spacing on the field. And so, you also get into that aspect, like the teams and the schemes, they might view boards wildly different than, say, a media consensus big board. Right. 
Let me ask you, just because we haven't talked, I don't think we've mentioned these names on the podcast yet. First, I want to ask you about Wandale Robinson. What do you What do you like about him? What do you think I of mean, him? Just a incredible type player that you know you want to get him the football in his hands. You know, right. explosive. You know, he's very raw, more athletic than technician. Um, very good hands, incredible adjustments to throws at times on film. Like, you know, I, a quick, twitchy. It's okay. Where are you drafting a guy that's probably slot only? Like, are you drafting that in the first round? Or are you going to look at him in comparison to a Sky Moore and say, well, right. I feel a little bit more comfortable with more on the outside than, say, Robinson. So I'm going to draft the guy that's going to be able to do more for me. So, I mean, I think he's a very good player. He's, you know, probably a early day two pick. Uh, but I, I think looking at the value, there's probably players that are in that bucket that I take higher. But that's just right. Same, similar, similar player, Calvin Austin. Austin's so much tougher. I mean, I, I'm higher on Robinson than Austin. Uh, I have Austin, Robinson I, I, ahead of yeah. Austin, too. Yeah, I mean, because because I think you can do more. Like, I, I keep bringing up Sky Moore, but if take that trio, right? I trust Moore to do a lot, but right. I trust Robinson to do a little bit less, but still a decent amount. And then Austin, I think, is a very defined role type player. Right. Like, I think you really have to manufacture some stuff for him. Like, you oh, know, God, get him that manufactured a stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you right? see him take the jet sweeps. You see him as yeah. a returner. You're like, damn, can we just, like, can he be that guy where you got five plays for a game and every time he touches the ball, you could score a touchdown on? Because I like, yeah. and like you said, like, it's like he does, you would keep lumping Sky Moore and Robinson and, and, um, and uh, geez, we got Calvin Austin again. Yeah, Calvin, you keep lump, we keep lumping those three guys together, but it's like you got your tier one, your tier two, your tier three. But like when you see, like when you watch Austin, like you could almost, you could almost make the argument that his exciting plays are more exciting than those guys. Yeah, if that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I, I think, you know, you might see a scenario where Austin ends up going first out of the group, just because a, a team that might not have a ton of needs, like hypothetically the Buffalo bills. Two, you know, two that well, just went. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, to, to the current Super Bowl champions. I mean, right. you know, the, uh, like the Buffalo bills could be in a situation where they're like, you know what? We don't have a ton of needs, right? But this guy might be able to do some fun stuff for us, like seven plays a game. Where like you've got him and Stephon Diggs the same side of the field, and just have fun with that. And right. so you might see a scenario where a team that has the luxury of drafting him for those five explosive plays a game might say, "Look, we could we could use that." Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think you know those guys are so again like the topic of the show that we started with. It's just like so many of these guys have a role that they fit in in. And if a team drafts them and uses them the right way, I mean, we're talking about, I think you could talk about 20 guys getting starting positions in day one, you know, year one, because there's just so many talented dudes that can play inside, can play outside, can have a defined role. Um, and with that many, I want to go through now. We haven't done this with really any positions, but I want to ask you, I'll give mine, get yours top 10 receiver rankings in this class 
I'll let you roll with them first. What do you got? Um, we going all 11 at once, or are we going to do like a slow unveil? We'll just go 11 at once. We'll go 11 at once. All right. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about some guys we haven't talked about yet in, in them. All right. So I kick it off again. This is sitting here right now. I may tweak it. I'm not final yet. Right. Right. Um, so you'll be, you know, we always give ourselves that little qualifier, but I kick it off. I, I like Drake London. I, okay. I'm, I'm going to roll with Drake London, then Williams, then Olave, then Wilson, then Burks, um, then uh, Mechie, Moore, Watson, Pickens, Robinson, Austin. Gotcha. What about you? All right. I got it. Garrett Wilson. It's again, it's so funny because you like all these receivers are just lumped together. I think like, it's yeah, not like I mean, you got a guy who's top five it, and then a guy. This is one of those guy. positions where I'm like, you could tell me 11 names and I'll be like, yeah, it doesn't matter yep. what order you put them in. I get it. Yep. Yep. Huh? Yep. So mine goes Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Drake London, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Jalen Tolbert, how many was that? Nine, I think. John Mechie. And then I'll just – Alec Pierce is my next guy. Oh, and I, I dropped – I forgot Dotson in there. I missed him. But he's after Burks and before Mechie. So, there you go. Seven, but, yeah. Eight, yeah, I think I might have given you 11. But either way. Yeah. And, yeah, like, Wandale Robinson's right outside of it. Um, Calvin Austin's not far outside of it. Khalil Shakur is right outside of it. Kyle Phillips is right outside. I mean, you, again, yeah, I mean, put those guys in a, of, in a, in a, in a bottle and drop them on the table. And I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. USA today wants me to do a top 11 at positions, but I always tell them I'm doing a top 15 at receiver. Like it's so right. hard to like, just limit it to 11. Like last year, I think I did a top 16. I might right. even fight for 16 this year because, and that's just it too. Cause then, you know, you, you start thinking about, positional value right wide receiver 15 in a draft is probably a lot more valuable than say interior defensive tackle 15 right absolutely like again all those guys i just named like the guys who are right outside they're still all of them but one name i have in the top 100 (laughs) yeah i mean these are all guys that are going to the first two days of the draft whereas you tackle 15 might not get drafted yeah absolutely so um i real quick i think let's go here okay I've got London one, and I think you had him at five. Five, yep. Yeah. But again, he's a top uh, 25 player, you know, top 25 player. Yeah. For him. <laughs> so, like, what's interesting is, I mean, I know we talked last week when um, Kuiper came out and put London at four. Four. Like, yeah. I like London. He's wide receiver one. I'm not drafting him fourth, though, I right. think. And I think you're kind of more in line with that idea as well, given the fact that you've got a wide receiver five. Do you have like I know the the concerns with London are the inability to separate. Is that kind of what kind yeah, of drops just, him down in your eyes? Yeah, and, and again, like he's got the long frame, like he can go get the football. So I think he it's not like he's six foot and he has the inability to separate. So he's got things that kind of you know outweigh his negatives. But yeah, I mean, I think when you you and it's not like again, it's not something that he's he's dropping into the middle of this, you know, day two for me, but just like, like for Wilson, a lot, even Olave and Williams, like they have the speed, the elusiveness and the quickness that I think can develop into these technicians as route runners. They can create that natural separation just off the route running ability and just foot quickness. And that's just, and again, like, I think we should have talked about this a little bit before, but like people 
they weigh those things different in their evaluations. So like, right. I used to, I, again, like I remember the Nick Harry draft, like I love the big dudes who could run and, you know, I could love the big dudes who could high point. They could be the guys in the red zone. And I've gone away from that maybe because of your Nikhil Harry's and Laquan Treadwell's and like that group yep. of guys who just like shot me in the heart when I like w- went out war- for him. And I've probably gone maybe, I mean, again, like I-, I love Sky Moore. He's a guy in the top 10 for me, but I just love, you see the guys nowadays, like the, the Tyree kills, you see the guys nowadays that have that explosiveness after, after the catch. And I just love what like Wilson could, and, and Olave is not an after the catch like stud, but I think he can do it. He's got the speed and the, the, the ability to just be an angle smasher because of his speed after the catch. But you see a guy like Wilson, obviously Williams is good after the catch. Traylon Burks is a guy that I have fourth who didn't test like we thought he would, but I mean, again, he's, 230 pounds just get him the football. And he outran Alabama I, I'm right. not worried about it right exactly so and, and again like I said like London's like you know if I pull up his scouting reports it's going to be not the most natural separator you know something like that yeah. like maybe struggles to sink um coming out of his breaks at time working back to the football he's just such a big dude that I mean even Burks you you don't see that just natural like sink and bend in the the body to be able to move in and out of the breaks but I mean I still love like like I said those Everybody I just listed in that top five is a top 25 player for me. And it's not like one of those guys is top six. Like Garrett right. Wilson's my top ranked guy at 13. Yeah. Um, so I got five guys and, you know, 10, 12 picks. Is, is Wilson your dream fit for Dallas at 24? Like yes. if you woke up the Friday after the draft and they somehow got Garrett Wilson, are you like, yeah. all right, I don't care what happens the rest of the way? Yep. Just because they don't have a dude who moves like that. Yeah. They don't have like the straight line speed type of guy. Like a lot of their guys are the same dude, you know, CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, James Washington. They're guys who they're not necessarily like, I mean, CD Lamb has explosive plays after the catch, but he hasn't really turned into the Oklahoma CD Lamb that we saw where it was just a bowling ball after the catch. Um, right. So for me, it's like I would like Traylon Burks, but I feel like he's too much of kind of the same body type they already have to a certain extent. And, and again, like, not like they I just I want them to either get and I prefer if they don't go you know if they if they do go off offensive line in the first round like I'd prefer in the second round to get Drake London's 2.0 you know like a guy like he's not like Drake London but Jalen Tolbert's a guy who wins down the field he's a taller frame guy little bit more, you know, quick and athletic than a guy like Drake London, but doesn't have the nuance and, you know, didn't play, you know, you know, in a big school. Um, so I think that that's a name that like I'm interested in that, you know, if they don't go, cause I feel like Sky Moore is going to be gone when they're on the clock in the second round, you know, so I feel like if they're not going to get that explosive twitched up Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Sky Moore type of guy, like I almost prefer them to then go, all right, let's get a tall guy who has the speed to win down the field, who can make explosive plays after the catch. And like that might be a Jalen Tolbert guy for me in the second round. Where, where are you at with Tolbert? I like him. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, I just got done watching him. I, I think he's probably somebody that's like, you know, late day two, early day three kind of situation. And I think, you know, you're you're thinking about that sort of Drake London 2.0, right? Like Drake right. London light. And I think he's somebody that's sort of in that mix. I wanted to sort of ask you about 
that sort of X2 type, right? Or I guess X3, if you're thinking Burks too. Watson, Tolbert, Alec Pierce. Like, which? how do you stack those three guys? So I have it right now. Watson, Tolbert, Alec Pierce. I have it. Watson, Tolbert, Alec Pierce. <laughs> the way you just yeah. said it. Yeah, and again, I, like, I, I flipped the second two. I'm a little higher on Pierce than Tolbert. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I like both. Um, Watson's weird. Like, I know we, we've talked about on a couple of shows, the RAS. Right. And it's weird to see Watson in that sort of Calvin Johnson bucket. Which right. I, just, I just think it's just outlandish because, like, what Johnson was like 25 pounds heavier. Right. Like we, we need to Watson is a great athlete and has tested extremely well and shows up well on film. Calvin Johnson was another beach creature altogether. You Absolutely. Need to remember that. Yep. And those guys, just to give you and just to kind of give an explanation behind mine, those guys are separated. Or I have all those guys from 44 to 54. <laughs> so within yeah. a 10, 10, 10 pick, you know, and again, like, it sounds like I like Watson and Tolbert a little bit more than you you do. And then Pierce. And again, like it's honestly, like where, where's Pierce at on your board? Like where's he? Do you have like a his his ranking right now? Let me look. I mean 74 right now. Okay. And I'm just like so like I, mean, I, I was saying, I'm just I like I've graded them higher in my overall class than you know you have them. So yeah. Yeah, but again, it's more like I like I was saying earlier, like wide receiver fifteen is going right. to be more valuable ultimately than like de tackle like twenty five or whatever fifteen right. or whatever. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I mean, like I said, it's it's just it's such an interesting class to me because you don't have you don't have that one dude, you don't have the Jamar Chase, right? You don't have the even you know the the. Devonta Smith, whoever it is, like you just don't have that one just stud that you feel like, like even Wilson, Olave, like all those guys have questions coming in. And, and of course, everybody's going to have some sort of a question. But for me, it's just such an interesting group. And I, ju- I just think, like I said, I think you can get like I think starting on day three, fourth round of the draft, you can draft a starting receiver. Oh, absolutely. Because like because then you probably get into the guys that are like pure slots. But they're going to be starters. Like you might get, you know, a clear Shakur at the top right. of the fourth round, but in a, le- in a heavy 11 personnel offense, he's a starter. He's a starter right. day one. Right. And I got to ask you, cause we did, me and RJ did our uh, mock draft Monday. This will be what we close with. And uh, we did our mock draft Monday yesterday and I loved what we did. So this will come out, should come out on Monday. Um, so everybody listening to this will have already seen it. I'm sure. And already wanted to kill me, but we did. We got Kenyon Green. We got Quay Walker. We got Sam Williams. I can't remember where we went in the fourth round, but so pretty much we didn't get a receiver in the top two days. And then in our, I think in our first day three pick, there was somebody there that I just couldn't turn down. Can't remember who it was, but our first receiver drafted, and I know people are going to hate this, is Kevin Austin, the Notre Dame wide receiver. Have you watched him at all yet? I've only watched a little bit of him. Um, can give you some stuff downfield. I yep. mean, he could get downfield and stack and give you the nine ball. I mean, there's still room for that in the NFL, man. 
And, and another guy who's like super athletic, has some size to him. You hope he can yeah. develop. And I, I told him, I was like, man, when we were doing it live, I was like, you know, this sounds stupid because you always scout the player, not the helmet. But how many Notre Dame receivers are going to be taken later than they probably should go? You know, like, I mean, it happened with Claypool, and I'm sure, you know, some yep. people are like, no, Claypool should have been where. But like, Miles Boykin a couple of years ago got drafted and like just a good athlete. Nobody really knew a whole lot about him. Right. Put it together a little bit for Baltimore. Like they just always have super athletic dudes who make plays. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it's just, I, I think he's more of a developmental type right. than anything else. But like at that point in the draft, like you'll place that bet on like the traits yeah. and the athleticism and, you know, the fact that, you know, if nothing else, you could put him on action, let him run nines and it's going to offer you something. Right. Yep. No doubt. All right. We have our interview uh, with Jalen Tolbert coming up the South Alabama wide receiver. He's going to be on today's show. And then we have Cincinnati wide receiver Alec Pierce coming on uh, this weekend. It'll be out on Saturday morning. So make sure you guys check out those two really good top 100 receivers. Um, dudes who are going to contribute right away, have that ability to step in and start like we kind of said in year one. So some fun players, uh, top 100 guys we talked to. Um, good athletes, just ball players. So make sure you check those out. Uh, I'll be on with Jalen Tolbert concluding of this episode. So hang around, listen to that. And we'll be back next week on the talk in the draft podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Jalen? How you doing? What's up? How are you? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm um, excited to have you on. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, you know, being being a guy who goes to the Senior Bowl a lot every year, going down to South Alabama, seeing you guys work out in that facility, it's a it's a ton of fun. But uh, I've never talked to anybody from South Alabama before, so I'm excited to have you on and, and talk a little bit about. You know, I wanted to start there, man. You grew up in that area. I love going down to that area. Talk a little bit about where you grew up and uh, your decision to go to South Alabama, being from that uh, local spot. 
Uh, yeah, so, you know, I grew up probably about 10, 10 minutes from campus, uh, not too far. Um, decided to, to come here last minute. I actually had uh, committed to Michigan State. Uh, I was supposed to go there and dual support. And uh, I just didn't get the vibe that Coach D'Antonio was going to let me do both sports. And so, uh, essentially, I, you know, I was going through that process where I wanted to dual sport and um, ended up deciding to decommit, commit to, to South Alabama. And this was the year after Joe ever got drafted second round. And, you know, baseball team down here, here is pretty good. So, you know, it was a win-win situation for me, you know, of course, also being from here. So it was uh, definitely – Definitely, you know, uh, easy choice once I ended up decommitting. So I, so I know you played football, you played baseball. What other sports did you play? Uh, I played basketball. Okay. As well. yep. So I love talking to multi-sport guys. Um, so you were big into football and baseball, probably more than basketball. Is that correct? Uh, it's actually the opposite way. I didn't start playing football until like 11th grade of high school. I okay. kind of picked it up late and still, you know, I'm still learning to this day, but was a big baseball player. Definitely a big baseball guy. So the reason I want to start here is I actually coach a showcase baseball team. That was actually what I was doing here before we got on the call. Um, and baseball is so big because through that recruit, you know, when you're going through the recruiting process, you have guys who, you know, get offers from schools out of state and just, a lot of guys like staying close to home. Um, it's just a, a feel, a, you know, fit thing. And and I actually did not know that you had previously committed to uh, Michigan State. So that's cool to know. Um, so you grew up playing baseball. You recently got into football. What was there a decision that like, okay, what like got you to say, okay, I'm going to take my football career to the next level instead of instead of pursuing the baseball career, whatever else it could have been? Uh, so, you know, the coaching staff that I signed with coming here ended up getting fired and I had an injury my freshman year. Uh, so once I was able to come back and com compete in the spring, uh, you know, it was, you know, I either go play baseball and, you know, never, you know, don't, don't win the starting job in football or, you know, vice versa. So it was just definitely, you know, a decision that I had to make faster. And then as I made it, you know, I, I realized the competitive mindset that you have to have to play football. It's, you know, in baseball, I can sit in the outfield and wait for the ball to come and, you know, wait for stuff to happen. But in football, you got to make stuff happen. You got to go get the ball. You know, it's one-on-ones, you know, practically every play. And so, you know, it was an easy decision once I started getting, you know, that, that rush of competition. I was going to bet said. that you were an outfielder just based on the, the tracking balls. balls yeah, balls. no doubt, yeah. <laughs> now, that you, now that you, you know, mentioned how big of a baseball guy you were, it was a, uh, it was a, it, it, it kind of clicked for me. And I was like, yeah, he was probably tracking him down the outfield pretty good. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Does that, now, just because I'm curious, like you hear guys who wrestle, you hear guys who play basketball, like that correlating to the football field. Does anything you do, I mean, again, like I coach baseball and I, you know, study football a lot and evaluate it. And there's, you know, things with the body, the way the body works that I think you can correlate. But as far as like day in and baseball, day in and football, there's not really like a side-by-side -side comparison. Is there anything that you used on the baseball field that now you use on the football field a lot? Uh. You know, the steps and everything are different. You know, in alpha, you can't you can't react too fast. But in football, you have to kind of react fast. So I think the main thing is just like the hand-eye coordination, you know, seeing that little ball come at you and, you know, you got to read it in the air. I think that's something that, you know, of course, once the ball's in the air, you still have to read it as well, you know, track it over your outside shoulder, you know, high point the ball, wherever it may be. So definitely, you know, 
tracking the balls down helped me out a lot with that. And of course, like you said, other sports, basketball, you know, being physical, you know, if you have the ball, you got to rip release or cross over, you know, that's a release or, you know, getting by stacking defenders. So, you know, I think that every sport definitely correlates to another. So, uh, you know, baseball definitely led the way with, you know, my ball tracking skills. For sure. For sure. I got to ask before we move on, did you, were you big in like the travel baseball circuit showcase? Yeah. Baseball? I used to go to perfect game and Lake point, yeah. you know, play in Atlanta, you know, almost every weekend used to travel all around Virginia and pace Florida, all type of places. Yeah. Well, I'm, I live in Richmond, Virginia. So the baseball circuit down here, North Carolina, yeah. Virginia, we're down at PB, you know, Lake point and Fort Myers and WWBA. We're doing all that this summer. So I'm getting ready to. Yeah, no doubt. I used to, I used to live by yeah, who'd you who'd you play with? What team? Uh, I played with this team called GBSA Rays for a little while, and then uh, played with this team from where I'm from. It was like Fireball Express. Uh, you know, I kind of just bounced around here and there. I had, GBSA Rays was the last team that I actually played with, so uh, cool. they were based out of Atlanta, and so I would go there, and, you know, practice and play Sweet. at Lake Point. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Awesome. Um, so man, I want to talk about the combine, the pro day. You obviously had a, a great showing at the combine in Indy. Um, how, how cool was that for you, man? I mean, I know you, you know, you're, you're, you're South Alabama, you know, you, you go through the senior bowl process and you head to Indianapolis and it's just being a guy who's been to both. It's like such a crazy experience from a media member. So I can't even imagine what it's like as somebody participating in it, going through the interviews, the workouts, the drills, all that. It's got to be a hectic experience for you, but just kind of take us through that week for you and how big of a week you think it was uh, for your evaluation process. Uh, you know, definitely a special week. Uh, you got to take that, that week, you know, as serious as anything as you do in this process, because that's, you know, that's like the big test. You know, we train eight, eight or so weeks for that one day or, you know, the one day of competition. But of course, like I said, you just go down there and, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. So everything you do, you know, make sure that you try to do it at the best of your ability, uh, kind of be where your feet are each day, you know, whether it's an interview day or medical day or, you know, the, the workout day. And so uh, definitely, you know, my goal was to go down there and just continue to, to showcase my talents and showcase what, you know, I'm capable of doing. I think that people question, you know, a lot, you know, throughout the process with me of either level of competition or not really knowing how fast I really am and, you know, a lot of other stuff. And so my goal is just go down there and, you know, showcase that, you know, run well. And I honestly should have, you know, ran better. You know, the 40 is about technique. And so, you know, that's something that, you know, you I feel like it's a little too overjudged just because, you know, if you don't come out low or come out with power steps, right. whatever the case may be, you know, you're not really getting a true definition of somebody's speed, but uh, definitely go out there. And I, you know, I ran, ran pretty well, uh, could have ran better, uh, jumped pretty well as well. So, you know, it was definitely a fun experience. And of course, also, you know, meeting, you know, the guys that are in the draft class with me and, you know, being down there, being down there with those guys and seeing how they move and work and, you know, going through that process with them was also, you know, definitely, definitely a blessing and fun, you know, to, to be a part of that experience. So funny, you you said, you know, uh, some guys might have questioned my my real speed because, you know, you I play at a small school, whatever it is. But, man, you turn on your tape against Tennessee, you turn on your tape against some of the big schools you've played against over the last couple of years. And it's not a whole – I mean, again, I I think it's just a small school thing. It's got to be where people just – Yeah, no, politics of the school is always going to hit. So I think, you know, 
whatever I do is always a question. Like, oh, you know, level competition, go to the senior ball. I think I had a pretty good week down there. Oh, well, how fast is he? You know, go to Indy and run 4-4. You know, oh, well, you know, whatever the question, questions <laughs> just keep popping up. It's crazy, um, man. I was actually – that's – I I was going to save it for later in the, uh, the podcast, but I'll ask it now because we're talking about it, man. It's just like – the receiver position so funny to me because I feel like people going into it, even teams, like you talk to you talk to scouts who work with teams or whatever when you have the opportunity to, and they're always looking for the guy who played at Bama or the guy who played at LSU, and it's just like Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup are the two best receivers in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Tyree yeah, Kill and another sure. guy. None of those guys went to Alabama or, or LSU. or I mean, again, don't get me wrong. There's good players at those schools too, but I just – I think that – we get caught, the media gets caught, teams get caught scouting the helmet, not the players so many times. And it, it I yeah, feel no like doubt. burns people more than it, than it doesn't. Yeah, no doubt. That, that's definitely, you know, that's definitely out there in the world. And that's honestly the reason I ended up staying here at South, you know, just to be an outlet for these guys over here, you know, and, and show that hard work can get you, you know, to the senior ball and combine and, you know, God willing, hopefully draft it and just continue to, you know, be you know set change the culture around here. I could have easily left and went somewhere else and been another number drafted at another school. But you know here we've only had two guys ever drafted from this school, and so I'm looking to be the third and you know allow somebody else next year to be the fourth and you know just grow that pattern over here. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man. It's uh we we mentioned it a second ago um, talking about how your big games against big competition. You know the, the when you guys play those big opponents, you have great games and. I I don't love evaluating statistics a lot. You know, I try to watch the tape and then value, you know, you value the statistics, but I don't look at the statistics and say, this guy can play, this guy can't play. But man, like it's almost hard not to be impressed with what you've done game in and game out at South Alabama because you turn, you, you, you Google Jalen Tolbert statistics and it's just like, okay, he had 70 yards this game, 200 yards this game. I mean, you don't have those like ebb and flows, you know, where I got a lot of guys will just have two catches for 30 balls. I mean, it's 50, 60, 70 yards at worst almost every game. How important is that consistency to you going into the NFL and in this process when you're talking to teams? It's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to give you a big game and then disappear for four or five. Definitely big, especially coming from the school that I, I'm coming from. Like we said, uh, you know, my my production is going to be big for me. You know, at bigger schools, you know, level competition wise, you know, they can have a couple hundred yard games and be perfectly fine and be, you know, projected first round. But, you know, if I do that, it's like, oh, he can't play, you know, whatever. So I know, you know, down here you got to put in the work and, you know, you got to you got to almost make your name known by, you know, your production like each week, you know, and right. I think I ended up finishing like six in the nation in yards with 1474. And so, you know, if I was having, you know, games with two catches for 30 yards or whatever, I'd be finishing probably around 700 yards. You know, I'm not, I'm nowhere near, you know, the top. And so you kind of just make it where they can't forget you. They can't, you know, not see your name. And so that's, that's definitely a big thing. And, you know, just continuing to, to, put, you know, not only my school on the map, but the conference, because, you know, it's a lot of guys in our conference who have the ability to be, you know, right where I am, you know, if not better, you know, my boy Isaiah Likely, for instance, you know, he's at Coastal and he's a top tight end and he's doing the same thing I'm doing. And so, you know, you just being able to be productive and be able to put those numbers up and show, you know, the team that, hey, you can put this on my back or, hey, I've played, you know, 
bigger schools or in bigger games. So it's not like, you know, oh, he's only playing so-and-so. Like I played a Tennessee game, you know, with 90,000 fans, fans or however many, you know, showed out. But, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, some something in that, in that saying, you like you said, production is everything, you know, it's 90% of everything. For sure. No doubt. Um, so you, I want to talk a little bit about just some of the things you do as a receiver, like what separates you from, you know, this guy or that guy, when teams are looking at your tape, I mean, obviously it's, it's, you turn it on and you you're impressed, but like from a route running perspective, from a after the catch perspective, like what would you kind of, like you had to write a scouting report up on yourself, what would it be? Uh, definitely be, uh, you know, a handful of things as to, you know, I think one of my top, top, uh, talent or abilities is just my high pointing and catch ability, you know, be able to go up and make plays on the ball and catch away from my body. Uh, I think that, you know, a lot of people don't do that. And I think, you know, I'm up there with the best of them in this class with, you know, high pointing and catch radius wise. Also think I'm up there with body control, you know, being able to turn my body and catch weird balls and, you know, catch balls, you know, away from my body as well. Uh, And I think, you know, another thing is I have a very high IQ, which, you know, kind of, shows on film with me playing multiple spots, you know, in a game or, you know, the season, you know, I could be in a game and go to H, X, Z, you know, wherever needed. And so I think that at the next level, it's going to be pretty big because, you know, the versatility of, you know, not being stuck outside or being stuck inside won't, you know, haunt me, you know, well, we want to put him in, but he's, you know, X and, you know, so-and-so is the X where, you know, you can put me wherever, you know, you need me to go and I'll be able to, you know, handle not only the whole concept and the play calling, but also the position and, and the the, uh, the job that you have to do at that position. So I think those are, are the main things that, you know, I think that I have strengths with some of these receivers in the class. Yeah, no, I mean, again, you you talked about that versatility, and that was actually going to be my next question for you is, is there – I mean, you know, you played a lot, but do teams have teams talk to you about like only being in the slot or they just kind of see it the way you explained it as being able to pretty much play anywhere on the field? Uh, they see it as I explained it. I think, you know, previous years uh, I was, you know, majority on one side or the other playing outside. And so this right. past year really, you know, opened me up and show, you know, my ability to play all positions. And I think that that helped me out a lot. Uh, so teams, you know, once I'm going through the interview process, they were just, you know, making sure that I can comprehend they play calling as a whole concept and, you know, remembering this and what this guy does and, you know, the splits of this. And senior ball was pretty big because I was, you know, I think I was one of the few guys that could kind of play all, all positions, you know, size-wise and mentally, you know. We had Calvin Austin, who was majority of the time an F because he's a smaller receiver. But, you know, I can play the F as well and I can go play Z and X. And so I think that, you know, being down there and showing that as well helped me out. For sure. No, d- definitely. Um, so we talked about a lot of the things you do really well, which I agree with all of them. Is there anything that you kind of want to either improve on kind of over these next few months before you get all, you know, get into rookie training camp and get that started or just something that, Hey, you know, I, I saw this in film by the end of the, the my tenure at South Alabama and throughout my rookie season, I want to improve on this or that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Two things. Uh, one being, you know, that I can't really improve on right now, but I think that I, you know, as I've finished the season, like you said, I, you know, I've realized, you know, I can make my my mark more known on blocks, you know, pancaking guys and showing my physicality, you know, that I have um, and being able to put that on film. And so, you know, I'm excited to grow in that aspect and excited to, you know, get to the next level and block and, you know, spring running backs and, you know, be able to, 
you know, continue to help the team as much as I can. And I think that that's something that, you know, I, I seldom just kind of, you know, I either blocked or got in the way and, you know, I didn't really make my mark known. And so I think that, that I'm excited to look forward to do that at the next level, you know, so blocking is one. And then also uh, I can work on it as now is, you know, route savvy, just making certain routes look like other routes. And, you know, you see Hunter Renfro's and, you know, Kenan Allen's and all these guys do it. And so, just, you know, watching film and, you know, trying to make that corner look like a post or curl look like a comeback and, you know, just being able to get a little a, a bigger inch of separation. So I think that those are the two things that I'm looking forward to working on the most. All right, cool. I got two more for you. I'll get you out of here. Um, so something that I was really impressed with on your film is, you know, being in a smaller school, South Alabama, you saw a lot of coverage kind of shaded your way, double teams, I mean, again, we talked about the game-to-game statistics for you. Like, how do you beat double coverage as a receiver? Like, a lot of times they, they bracket you. They they put a safety over the top. They, they they find ways to limit your impact on a game, but they really weren't able to do that for you. How, how is that? Uh, you know, beforehand, definitely yards after catch. You know, you got to make what you get, you know, make the most of what you get. And so if they're going to allow me to get, catch little hitch balls, I got to be able to break tackles and go – you know, go make some more yards with it. But overall, this past year, the offense really helped me out with me playing all positions. And so, you know, if I, you know, they noticed that I was getting bracketed or clouded in the boundary, you know, they motioned me to the slot and, you know, they if they can't follow me, it's going to be a linebacker on me or, you know, hey, they're following me as man coverage. And now I know that I can go to the boundary and, you know, kind of catch them off guard or even double moves. I did a lot of that this past season just right. because, you know, they were trying to, to cloud me or double cover me. And so once you got past the first level, just giving something on the second and then getting open, you know, it was definitely helping me out as well. And so I think overall, just learning, you know, secondary releases, uh, learning the coverage wise, you know, I'm continuing to learn and educate myself on what's being played on the other side of me. And so that definitely helped me out. All right. Last one, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, I always ask this to just about everybody. Um, I love, scouting receivers because it's it's one of the mo- more dynamic positions in the NFL you know they, they have the ability to just change football games um for you like is I mean I know you're not an outsider looking in but if you were building a wide receiver in 2022 like what traits what aspects of that receiver's game would he have to have in order to be a dynamic wide out uh definitely speed uh definitely Catching ability, like I said, catch radius, hop, being able to high point. Um, and I think physicality is the last because you're not going to win every route. Um, so being able to also block and make things look, you know, like, hey, this MDM is looking like the, you know, a fake crack and go or whatever. And now, like I said, you're not going to win every route. So just once you get to that certain route, you're going to have to be physical and win a contested catch, whether it's down the field or on a slant or whatever. So I think physicality, speed, and, you know, being able to catch or, or – the three main things that you need. And of course, you know, mentally you got to know, you know, you have to be here at this certain time for the quarterback. You know, you have to, uh, you have to realize that this coverage is rolling to cover six and not just, you know, quarters or whatever the case may be. So I think those are the four things that you definitely need in 2022, because I mean, everybody's athletic. You see, I mean, you see these guys testing freakish at combine, you know, in shorts and, you know, you get out there. I mean, they all gonna be athletic. Y'all, you know, everybody's gonna be fast. I mean, it's just a game of being smart, being able to understand your craft and understand what you got to do and your, you know, your assignment. So definitely those four things. Jalen, this was great, man. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Um, 
again, one of my favorite receivers in this class. I was, I was excited to have you on talk to you a little bit and uh, we'll be, we'll be rooting for you throughout this next few weeks. It's coming up fast, man. So I know you're excited, uh, ready to get the ball rolling and then figure out where you're going to be playing for the next few years. Yes, sir. No doubt. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. We were on with Jalen Tolbert, South Alabama wide receiver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time on the Talking the Draft podcast. Thank you.